0: Hello and welcome to Travel Daily's Inspirational Women in Asia series. I am hosting today's episode. My name is Michaela Conner. I'm the co-founder and chairperson for the IWTA committee. And I'm here today with the beautiful Catherine Ng, who's born and raised in Malaysia and uh, went for a career opportunity all the way to Hong Kong a few years ago to Work in the aviation industry. And today she's the director of training at One Crew and is still located in Hong Kong. But today you're in Malaysia on yes, holiday. Sarah. So thank, thank you me. for joining us on your holiday. Really appreciate it. Thank and you. welcome. Thank you. And you said you I can call you Katie. Yes. Yeah, okay. I call you Katie. Beautiful. You. Mate. Catherine or Katie, both very beautiful. So welcome and thank you so much for taking your time to share your story in today's episode of IWTA. Can you tell us a little bit about um, what is One Crew and and what does it mean to be the training director of One Crew?
1: Thank you, Michaela, for the invitation to speak. And also, I'm really touched that Vitna uh, Achor has nominated me for uh, this talk. So I appreciate that. Um, yes, one crew. We're based out of Hong Kong. We specialize in within the aviation industry mostly. We do work outside of the industry, but most of our clients are within the industry. Uh, we work with a uh, commercial aviation, as well as majority of our clients are actually in business aviation in the private jet industry. We do work with uh, general aviation as well, like helicopter operations or uh, ground operations uh, as well. Uh, we specialize in three areas, uh, aviation safety, in particular, the non-technical side of, of safety, human factors, uh, aviation security, as well as, just like you, Michaela we do management skills training.
0: This makes me very excited. <laughs> you speak right to my heart there, Katie. Now, I saw on LinkedIn that uh, you've been with One Crew for 18 years. Correct me if I'm wrong. Wow, that sounds yeah. like a so, <laughs> but it's amazing, and I I see that you you've been in training, like learning and development, for uh, a long time. What what is it about this uh, particular um, area um, mm-hmm. of what you do that you still feel very passionate about?
1: You know what? Um, in my first job at, uh, with Cathay Pacific, that's how I moved to Hong Kong. I saw an advertisement for a a facilitator in the flight operations department, the pilots department, And I applied to that only because I wanted to overcome my uh, fear of public speaking (laughs) because I was speaking very softly and I wanted to be able to learn to project my voice. I had no idea what I was getting into. I wanted to learn to become a facilitator. um, And that was when I joined the human factors department. Uh, When I joined the department, I got to meet my mentor, Julian Hipwell. And this was back in the nineties and he was very progressive as a leader. Um, and I really, he really taught us to come out of our shells. You know, interestingly, back in those days he was already a visionary in terms of um, how you manage women uh, different to how you manage uh, men, where sometimes women um, have, uh, go through things that they're uncomfortable with, um, and they may be in tears over it, but for women, right? It's just a way for us to perch and then boom, we're back to normal again. And he understood all of that and allowed us to just be ourselves. Um, So through there, I learned from him uh, what human factors is, and that became my passion um, to be able to contribute to, in my little role, (laughs) to aviation safety. So if you were to ask me how I got into learning and development I got into it (laughs) basically just to overcome my fear Um, but I also then discovered what the program I was teaching was all about and and I had that conviction and the passion for human factors uh, which essentially is uh, aviation safety.
0: It's very interesting because I know there's so many people that are have fear of public speaking mm-hmm. and it's a very difficult one to, to yeah. overcome. Not, not impossible at all, mm-hmm. but what, what steps did you have to take to like slowly overcome it? Or was it like an overnight thing or did you start public speaking to five people, then 10, then 100, then oh, 1,000?
1: Okay. Of, of course, it starts with, uh, I suppose recruiting the right people that they may be shy they may be uncomfortable but seeing the potential behind where they're at right I was a young girl in my early 20s at that time Um, and and to be able to see that person that person has the capability to learn and then putting them through really good uh, training right train to trainer program and and I was I was really lucky to be in an environment where i received really good training and then after that on the job uh, learning where i remember the very first time i was i was uh, rostered to be an observer so the main the lead facilitator would be running the course i was sitting at the back of the room as an observer writing things down and guess what on my my first day an in observation Um, the the lead facilitator uh, wasn't able to make it and I was thrown in the deep end (laughs) so I had to but the good thing is I had really good training by then and, and a really supportive boss who says you can do it I'm with you and I remembered I felt like I could barely project my voice at that time but then um, at the end of it, he gave me a really good feedback and, and a lot of encouragement, right? Um, and from there on, I started to build confidence. So you just allow yourself to be thrown in the deep end with the skills that you've already uh, acquired, but not necessarily practice, and then practice those skills, right? And now <laughs> you can't shut me up. I, I love public speaking and opportunities where I can. I do conferences and, and you know, uh, speaking engagements and things like that.
0: I love that. I love that. And what do you think he could see in you that you might have not been able to see in yourself at the time?
1: Right. I've had a few mentors along the way, uh, including a, a business coach, and they've all said the same thing to me, which was my whatever they they teach me, um I apply it. So I'm coachable <laughs> and and that was that was what they enjoyed being my mentor for. so I like to I like to think that that was it. so
0: that's a great story. So obviously, um you love learning, yes, and now you're in learning, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Beautiful. I'm sure you
1: you share the same thing. Ah, 100%.
0: Yeah. yeah. And that public fear of public speaking, mm. it's such a slight like hearing. Our stories are very similar because, you know, growing up and at school, I would beg the teacher if I could just present, you know, projects and stuff that you have to do at college. You know, I was like, Mm. no, 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 not in front of the whole class. We had the smallest class. It was like 22 people. And I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. (laughs) And she would allow me to present for five people. Uh I was that scared. (laughs) And then, yeah, you get thrown into these situations where, okay, I just have to make it work. Yeah. But I think what you've you've mentioned there and, and mm. what helps, I think, to overcome any fear is if you're mm. passionate about it, mm. it helps to speak from the heart. Yeah. And then there's techniques, of course, that, that yeah. helps become even better. Mm. But I, I truly believe that if you're really passionate about what you do, yeah. it will also come across very genuine. You're not like reading from yes. a paper yeah. and hiding yourself. Yeah. It's like yeah. you're very passionate yeah. about that. And, and you are. Um, so that's a fantastic Mm -hmm. story and I I think many people can recognize themselves in that fear of public speaking
1: I'm not sure if you agree uh, if if you have the same uh, experience but also the purpose behind what you do uh, I think really matters Uh, I'm not sure if I was teaching something that wasn't um, bigger than than who we are (laughs) you know Uh, and I felt that the the purpose behind what we do really drives us as well. So.
0: What, what is that purpose? Like, what's your purpose when you go in to do training uh, or developing leaders? What what's your that burning desire? What is your purpose that makes you get up in the morning and go? Yeah, I'm gonna nail today.
1: Right. So, in in terms of uh, the program that I specialize in it's human factors, uh, which really is about the human side to safety, right? So, and to be able to contribute a little bit every day um, to helping um, the frontline operators or even an organization be safer for their operations. I think that's what drives me, right? I have a little, post-it note that I stick right at my uh, office desk and number one is helping to make aviation safer in my way, own way and also to build a community right so a community of people that have safety awareness um And that's my primary. So every day I look at that post-it and I know today I'm doing another day of training, but what's behind what I'm doing? Tomorrow I'm having a meeting with a client. I'm doing a needs analysis. What's the purpose behind that? Am I running a course basically just to fulfill a regulatory requirement, You know, where the pilots and flight attendants could get their license to, to fly? Or am I helping to build a community that's safe? so uh, going I love that
0: because I don't know if you have but I've been Mm -hmm. I've been to many you know trainings where it's like you have to tick a box yes and you can tell you're there because you have to tick a box Um, and I don't like that (laughs) I don't like that and I I agree and it's so much easier if you to deliver something when you know what the long-term purpose is like there's a reason why we're doing Mm -hmm. this and Mm -hmm. helping other people see Yes. What the purpose is not just yeah. I've done this tick tick yeah. tick but they don't actually remember any of it but yeah. they can say I've done that I've right. been there
1: right. yeah. yeah yeah
0: so um I think that's a important lesson for all mm. of us mm. not just training you just mm. any you know why why do you do yeah. what you do no yeah. matter what it is yeah. yeah yeah amazing thank you for sharing that um so you're in training mm-hmm. learning and development mm-hmm. what you call it And you're in aviation. Yes. Yeah. And we've been through like one of the toughest times in the history of histories in travel, I think. Yeah. There's always been a few challenges, I think, in the last 100 years. Yes. I'm a bit younger than 100, but, you know, from from what I've read. But the last, you know, with COVID lasting for so long, Mm -hmm. travel stood still, Mm -hmm. aviation, you know, I've never seen the airports filled with so much planes to stranded. So Mm -hmm. how did you... Get through like what was your focus as a director of training for one crew when aviation was grounded like, right. how did you get through that with your team
1: right of course initially i had my uh training diary filled up right it's usually months in advance and at one point at the start of covid Basically everything was put on hold. Every single thing on my calendar was put on hold. At that time, I was running physical uh, in-person training, and I feel that that was the most impactful way to to, to run training. Um, so, uh, because a lot of people were working from home, uh, staying away from from COVID and all of that, um, so I it was all put on hold. Um, at that time, interestingly, I was a little resistant to the idea of virtual training, right? This was really at the start of, of COVID. And it, it's, it's amazing how life presents to you uh, opportunities. I had a meeting with one of my clients, and we were looking at uh, the design of the, you know, this was like late 2019, 2020s program. And the client said to me, Katie, if you're able to transition your training to virtual live classes, um, I'm ready to start tomorrow. Everyone can, they can the 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 crew can be in quarantine. They can be uh, out port under under rest, or they can be at home and they can still conduct uh, uh, participate in the training. And I was resistant to that because I I I had always believed that the impact on in person training is greater than. And then I had a conversation with one of my participants, right, uh, a pilot who ha- was doing his MBA uh, uh, program. He said, you know, we do a lot of things in virtual live class. Give it a chance. You will realize that it is, you know, it may not be hard as impactful as in person but it is more impactful than you might than you might think and he so graciously said to me you know what i can i can do a little demo for you i'll, I'll do a little a mini presentation and and we'll we'll keep it interactive uh, i'll facilitate the session and then i realized wow there's something about being in the confines of your own space where people open up and speak and the power of that, so I started to leverage that. So when we um, designed the, you know, the program of the year that um, meets the climate, uh, right, of what people were going through, um, we were looking at things like resilience development um, uh, and also mental health awareness. It was really interesting that people sit and they open up perhaps even more than if they were in person in front of their peers. There's something about the safety net, so we leverage that. So I have various people to thank, my clients, my participants giving me feedback uh, that I was able to transition to virtual live classes, which kind of saved our business, if you will, because we were able to continue on uh, this despite COVID. So, Yeah. Willingness to adapt. Yeah. Yeah. And also, of course, we have to redesign all our courses to make it still interactive, um, you know, with breakout rooms and activities and things like that.
0: Like, it's so scary hearing you talk it's like I'm reliving yeah, oh <laughs> yeah very similar challenges yeah. of course because mm-hmm. that triangle of intimacy face-to-face yeah. is the mm-hmm. the top one right yeah, to yeah, build yeah. trust and connection yeah. but yeah like you we, we've all had to learn all the meetings became mm-hmm. virtual all the training had to become mm-hmm. virtual and can't, you can't have a three-day training course online that yes. like would kill people yeah. so yeah I really had mm-hmm. to be creative but come out of it better. Like because now like nothing feels impossible. Right. Yeah. Um so I want to go back to you mentioning mental health Mm. that uh you created that. How any challenges around this topic because in some countries it's a little bit taboo to talk about yeah. mental health yeah. yeah what challenges
1: did and, you face and also is is uh is very much uh it's taboo in hong kong as well mm-hmm. uh, amongst if you will a more chinese orientation right um for of course for our community especially if you're talking about mental health with uh pilots were very left brain <laughs> it, um it, it, by that I mean uh, science, inte- intellect and all of that focus right um it 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 took if you will um instinct and guts to introduce that program and we were one of the the, the first service providers to to do that at, at the start of covid and um also also uh, I wouldn't go into the details, but there were some um, personal things that happened uh, where, uh, uh, you know, someone that I cared very deeply that I worked with uh, was going through challenges in his life, um, which resulted in um, a catastrophic accident. And at that time, I realized that I didn't, I wasn't equipped to help him when he was communicating his difficulties and a uh, ideation of suicide. And I just brush it aside as, oh, you know, it's just a, you know, it's just a moment thing. Right. Um, and, and perhaps because I wasn't equipped to, to handle it. So after the the event, I then realized that while I was, if you will, helping myself to heal from, from that period, um, I took up a mental health first aid uh, course. And that was interestingly very much part of my healing journey. And then I realized of course now especially in Hong Kong, and how difficult the last few years have been for for not just our industry, but for the country itself, um, that the impact on mental health or on commercial air crew, as well as um, a lot of my clients, people were either losing their jobs or getting pay cuts or... um, you know, temporarily losing their jobs and then getting reinstated at a lower pay and things like that. There was a lot of uncertainty. I knew that that was something we had to do. So I suppose instinct uh, being one and a bit of personal experience, but then you get yourself equipped, right? If you want to be able to teach it, you've got to be responsible to learn it and yes and since then now in our industry everyone's talking about mental health which is fantastic if there's one thing that that's good that came out of uh, COVID is it opens up that taboo conversation of mental health
0: yeah it's good and sad in a way it's sad Mm -hmm. that it had to come to that yes to open that conversation up Mm -hmm. and I, I love I needed a moment there I was that's a very heart-wrenching story that you just shared so thank you for, for sharing that and I love how you turn tragedy into mm-hmm. you know what mm-hmm. I can do something good yeah. out of this sadness and pain yeah. I can turn this into a new purpose yeah. right and yeah. a new purpose something yeah. that I where I can make a difference mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in my work mm-hmm. and I put, take my hat off to you to be able to do that because that would be very difficult to kind mm-hmm. of work through that pain to get to that point yeah and a mental health topic I I agree I I wish it was more open in all of our countries because it's so important it's a human thing it's not a country culture thing it's it's human nature and everyone suffers at some point I'm sure everyone has different monsters of darkness that they deal with at times in their lives yeah so I'm I'm glad that that was that I'm not glad what happened I'm glad that like the outcome you made I'm sure such a huge difference in actually opening up that floor talking about it and helping people get to the point where they feel like it is okay yeah. okay it is okay yeah yeah, yeah that's amazing that's Thank very you. very good yeah and I hope those discussions and yeah. that openness mm-hmm. keeps going. Yes. That it doesn't shut down. Yeah, that it keeps yeah. going. Yeah. yeah. I think that's awesome. Thank you. Um, So back to training. Mm-hmm. So you, you started, you know, 18, maybe more, 18 <laughs> plus years ago, facilitating yeah. training. Yeah. And you talked a little bit about how you had to change when COVID happened from face to face to virtual Mm. but what other trends have you had to kind of keep up with because I'm sure the way of delivering the way of writing content Mm. Mm. has changed in 18 years right Right. so how do you stay current how do you ensure that you keep up to date so that you can keep it fresh and interesting for, for your participants
1: of course, a couple of things, one, which you share, which is constant and never-ending improvement, right? So uh, taking up courses, uh, understanding the, the the latest trends. Uh, also, uh, you know, if it takes me to fly all the way to Boston, to MIT, to learn about systems theory, I would do that. Yeah. Um, and then get that information. Um, I, you know, the conversation we have about uh education uh, versus application, right? Um, Being able to apply all the research to everyday language that operators can understand, right? So I feel that I'm an in-between person. We get uh, data research and all of that, then to be able to open it into everyday language, or our participants who are day-to-day operators, right, Uh, to learn, so being able to uh, adapt that. So learning as well as, um, you know, I find that the best way to cater to the needs um, that's appropriate for the current climate, if you will, by climate, I mean what they are going through, like you take a snapshot of what's going on in our industry or within Uh, our client's um, operation. If you take a snapshot of what's going on, then you're able to run the courses that are applicable in that moment. Um, The best thing to do is to do training, lots of training needs analysis. So every time we design a new program, we do a a thorough needs analysis. We do that with the the stakeholders, right? the managers, we do that with our participants as well. So we get samples of uh, participants that we could interview as well as the the people that were running the the learning and development uh, for for their company. Um, Then the other thing we do is we work with the safety department and we look at um, safety data and information any incidents uh, that are, that may have occurred that we're able to use this information and turn it into a case study so of course we de-identify the information sometimes we have to be creative we do a inspired by life events scenario and then we build that in so I find those always work because they the the, the participants can relate to the case studies because it's Everyday life, um, so I, th- I find that that's the best thing to to work. So studying, uh, applying what you've you've learned, doing needs analysis, uh, and then building case studies from there. Love that,
0: thank you. Yeah, and that's ever evolving, right? Um, so yeah, changing and being flexible. And-
1: and I think like, like you, uh, once you've gotten to that place where I've been in, in this field uh, over 20 years, right? First with Cathay Pacific and then running one crew. I've also had the privilege while I was running one crew uh, to, to, you know, be a part of consulting for an airline startup to uh, a, a legacy carrier, restructuring the entire human factors department um, to be able to, through that, have the instinct um, to be able to kind of foresee things, trends that are about to happen and then be a trend starter. So I think that with that, that just needs experience. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. I'm like writing that quote in my head. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to stay in there. Yeah. That does make sense.
1: And, then and I think. To find later on. Yeah. That- you are a trendsetter for the industry yeah it helps build confidence to go okay my instinct were right i i need to follow my instinct Um, yeah
0: yeah and i think you know if i think about our industry Mm
1: -hmm.
0: that's 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 running a successful business not just in training but you know if if you're in hospitality what's going to make your hotel brand stand out everyone else's Mm -hmm. and you have to foresee these things and you have to be a trend starter because Mm -hmm. that's how you get your brand yes known and famous not just for following Mm -hmm. what other people are doing but for actually Mm -hmm. uh, doing something unique yourself so Mm -hmm. yeah i think that's great business advice uh for for anyone
1: thank
0: you yeah nice Mm -hmm. thank you um what is what is your purpose what is your purpose and values that you live today and i know you mentioned your sticky notes on your computer so every day you look at that but what's your um, personal values that is important to you that feels aligned with what you do today
1: now the first thing that pops to mind is a weird one um is freedom i feel i'm I'm guided by my personal values of freedom. I'll explain what I mean by that. Um, freedom as a liberty, liberty to have authority over your own life, right? Decisions that you make or freedom as an autonomy, the freedom within your workspace to be creative, to um, to be able to, the, and, and the same thing I do w- when I'm in leadership role, right? I, I set clear guidelines, high standards from my team and then I just let them have full autonomy over how they want to do it who they want to team up with to, to 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 do this right so they have a lot of freedom within that so autonomy um liberty for your life um and also and that's why at, at a very young age, in my late 20s, I set up one crew, I was working for a very established organization that I loved. Um, but I felt that running my own business, I had the full freedom to be able to make a difference in areas that I want to make a difference, focus on who I want to work with, right. Um, so to and, and that was, I guess I was always guided by that, whether I knew it then or not. Um, and that's why I became very passionate about Things like when people's uh, freedom get taken away from them, right? Like uh, human trafficking victims. And, and I remember about, I can't remember, probably eight, 10 years ago, I, I was in Latvia uh, speaking at an aviation security conference where I met a group of amazing people. Uh, they were all air crew. Uh, they're the airline ambassadors group. And within that was a flight attendant. She was an American Airlines flight attendant, and she talked about how she, living in a first world country, right, working for an airline, uh, and was human trafficked, and that touched me so deeply at the core. And I guess it goes back to my value system of the importance of freedom. So now I do my 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 part uh, as a security training provider. Uh, we find a way to also use it as a platform um, either through our clients that want to learn about uh, human trafficking awareness or um, a a week and a half ago I was speaking at Amber Riddle University at their alumni conference and they graciously invited me and um, the director specifically requested for the topic of human trafficking awareness so I'm very grateful for that so using that as a platform
0: I love that I think that the travel industry is so big yeah so huge yeah. and human trafficking you know um like uh raising awareness about anti-slavery yeah uh child protection, all those things Mm -hmm. we play such a big part because we can have such a positive imprint Mm -hmm. of raising awareness and educating Mm -hmm. our employees other people coming through uh, Mm -hmm. the industry as well as our local communities Mm -hmm. that we work with so the more we can help there will be a better place. Yeah. It will be, but yeah. we all have to play yeah. our part, and exactly. you certainly
1: do, yeah. do in, including the operators, because yeah. you know human trafficking is not good for business in the, yeah. in, in our industry. Yeah, you know? um, yeah, yeah. to yeah. raise awareness. On yeah,
0: yeah, and sometimes it's a topic that people shy away
1: yeah. from
0: because it's 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 quite dark, but it's real. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. is real. So thank you for doing your part amazing
1: thank you for doing your part <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank you so much katie for your inspirational story i've been so inspired it's a great way of uh you know heading into lunchtime i'm gonna reflect <laughs> on your uh, all of your words um and it will inspire me uh certainly for a very long time from now uh, and i know for sure that your story will inspire anyone that will we will listen to this women and men so thank you so much for taking your time to to share with us very important wisdom in in your um in your story and i wish you all the best for your future speaking and your future endeavors and the holiday rest of your holiday in malaysia <laughs> thank, you.
1: Well. Thank, thank you as well thank you katie thank you Michaela. and thank, thank you for creating this platform uh to inspire uh women in a, in a travel Uh, Industry, but beyond that, just to inspire people. Thank you, Michaela. Thank you. Thank you. All right.